Oh, God, we pray that prayer. Precious Lord, take our hands. Lead us on. Help us stand. In this hour of the storm, we have nothing to fear. So, the few minutes we have left, teach us through Scripture. Make it clear, please. Hide me so that you get through to the max. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's a question for you. Is the word obey a four-letter word? Huh? Come on. Dwight, I can count. O-B-E-Y. Four-letter word. Yeah, but in American English, come on, in American English, when you call something a four-letter word, it's a cuss word that's usually a profanity or an obscenity. Is that not right? So is obey a bad four-letter word? Let me, let, let me rephrase it. What is there about us humans that creates such a strong aversion to this notion of having to obey somebody? Obey anybody. I'm reading right now Jacques Ducan's brand new, I mean brand new commentary in the book of Genesis. Whoa. Every morning, this, this new year, every morning, every word in Genesis, every word in the commentary. And I, I tell you what, I find it absolutely embarrassing how quickly we humans default not to obedience but dis obedience. I mean, you have Adam and Eve, brand new parents of a not yet existing human race. And I don't know how many hours go by. I don't know how many days. We have no sense of the time passage. But Adam and Eve, on the stage of human life, when they are duped by this cunning serpent into bold, defiant disobedience against their maker. As soon as they're thrown out of the garden, you got Cain and Abel. Guess what? Second verse, same as the first. Two brothers. One of them duped by the same rebel angel into a bold and defiant disobedience to his maker. And by the way, when Cain is banished, listen to this, when Cain is banished from that tiny little community... Even as mother and father are burying their boy beneath the ground, and they are now childless. When Cain is banished and Genesis records his lineage, never again will the word God be associated or spoken or written in connection with a line of Cain, high-handed disobedience. What is there about us humans that creates this strong aversion to anybody, and I mean anybody, telling me what to do? And then you come along to the very, very first king Israel has ever had. We're talking about a tall, gentle, humble giant named Saul, and he gets picked to be the first king. I don't know how many days he's on the throne. It may be a few weeks. It may be a few months. But before you know it... That four-letter word, obey, is like a burr under his saddle. And he resists. 
And one day when he was waiting for the prophet Samuel to show up, where is this guy when I need him? Suddenly, impetuous, impatient Saul decides he will be priest and prophet. And he will go ahead with the sacrifices of thanksgiving using the animals he disobeyed God by keeping. Animal blood is flowing everywhere when at last Samuel shows up. And when the prophet shows up, these words on the screen for you, 1 Samuel chapter 15. But Samuel replied to Saul, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in, here comes that four-letter word, as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey, Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Keep going. For rebellion, that would be disobedience, for rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance, that would be pride, is like the evil of idolatry, the worship of self. Disobedience. Can you believe it? Satan has been dissing obedience from the very beginning. And did you catch that? A huge clue to why we have this gut reaction to the four-letter word obey. It's because of another four-letter word that's spelled like this, S-E-L-F. The problem is not obey. The problem is self. That's the problem. Don't nobody tell me what to do. Why don't we like to obey? <laughs> because if you obey, it means you accept somebody else's authority over yourself. You have to s submit to somebody else who has, who, whose position, whose prominence, whose power is greater than your own, and you must submit, whether it's mommy, daddy, or God. Maybe Bob Dylan was right. Do you know who Bob Dylan is? Come on, do you know who Bob Dylan is? We're talking about the troubadour, the, the prophet poet of the baby boomer generation. Maybe Bob, du Bob Dylan was right when he composed this song, You're Gonna Have to Serve Somebody. Mm-hmm. I went and looked it up. It's a long song. I pulled a few lyrics out. It goes like this. Here's one of them I thought was appropriate. You may be a preacher with your spiritual pride. You may be a city councilman taking bribes on the side. You may be working in a barber shop. You may know how to cut hair. You may be somebody's mistress, mistress, maybe somebody's heir, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Mm, I should have sung that for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it. I don't know it. Please, please don't write me and tell me about that song. I don't know it. <laughs> well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. That's exactly the point Paul is making here in this classic chapter of Romans 6. Come on, find it. Romans chapter 6, New Testament, Romans chapter 6. This is, this is it. Bob Dylan is absolutely right. He must have read Romans 6 to compose that one. Romans chapter 6. You didn't bring a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you. It's page uh, 760. Romans chapter 6. Let's pick it up in verse 16. <laughs> You're going to have to serve somebody. That's Paul's point right now. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one you obey. Oh, did I love that song that they were teaching us today, No Longer a Slave. 
It's the song is mostly right, except for where it's wrong. And that is you'll be a slave. You're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to be a slave to somebody. You just better decide which one you want to be a slave to. Verse 16 again, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. There's that four-letter word. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But verse 17, thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey, there's that word, from your heart, the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. One more verse, verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Because you're going to serve somebody. It's just the question of whom shall I serve? Grab your study guide. We've got to get this down before we lose it. Jot it down. You, find, you got your study guide in your um, worship bulletin? Okay. You didn't get to hold your hand up. Here come our friendly ushers. Just hold your hand up. Up in the balcony, the same. They're up there. Did you guys get them up here? You get any study guides up here? What's up with that? I mean, that was beautiful music that we got. Come on, Jamie. Let's go. All right. Everybody gets a study guide. Didn't get one? Hold your hand up. I want to talk to you who are joining us live streaming today. We're very glad to have you. You may be watching FaceTime, uh, Facebook Live. You may be watching us on hopetrending.org, but however you're connecting with us live streaming, we're glad you're here. And by the way, Jose and I just talked to you a moment ago on live streaming. You know that we are now setting out to build an online community. We have people from all over the planet now that at this hour, Eastern Time, are joining us. We're glad you're a part of them. How to grow that community? We've already talked to you about it. Let's start talking talking back and forth to each other. And uh, if you're on FaceTime, I mean, if you're, keep on FaceTime, if you're on Facebook Live, they're putting a the little uh, link right now for you up there, and you can connect immediately to the study guide. Those of you that are on Hope Trending Live, you already got the, uh, you're, you're at the site, get the study guide there. You're watching on television right now, you see it on the screen, www.newperceptions.tv. You go there and you're looking for storm. That's the title of this, storm, finding Jesus in the gathering dark. This is part four. There are only seven of these, three and they're over. So go ahead and get that study guide. You'll want this one. Okay, let's fill them out. I didn't want you to miss the First Samuel one, so we're going to go back to First Samuel. Jot it down. To obey, that four-letter word, to obey is better than sacrifice. Write that in, please. By the way, you have devices. You go to the same place with your device. You can do it. You don't need... It's paperless. Paperless. To obey is better than sacrifice. For rebellion, that would be disobedience, is like the sin of divination. That's, that's connecting with Lucifer, the dark art. Well, he's the big dis of obedience. And arrogance, like the evil of idolatry, which, of course, is the worship of self. Keep going. At the heart of our trouble with the four-letter word obey is our trouble with the four-letter word self. We just made that point. Keep, write it down one more time. After all, doesn't obey mean you must accept someone else's authority over yourself? Yep, that's exactly what it means. And sure enough, when we turn to Romans chapter 6, Paul makes that point. Jot it down now. We just read these words. You are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness. You see? Jot it down. Bob Dylan is absolutely right. You're going to have to serve somebody, so pick your master. Pick your master carefully. You got two choices. Pick them carefully. Yeah, but Dwight, come on, come on, come on, Dwight. Who cares about this obeying or not? I mean, what's the big deal? You know, that's a very pertinent question. It deserves a, a very thoughtful response, and you and I will kind of conjure up the response together. You remember last week, at a coin here. Were you here last week? Yeah. You remember the coin? 
We talked about a coin toss because at the Super Bowl, both team captains, both teams' captains will gather in the center of the field. The referee will throw the coin up. Why are we talking about a coin? Because a coin has how many sides? Three or two? A coin can only have two sides. And so last week we remembered, ah, that the God of this universe, when He minted in pure gold, this is gold, by the way. Last week we had silver, but now I got gold. Well, I guess it's fool gold. Fool's gold, but it's still goldish. When the God of the universe minted, the exquisitely most expensive coin in the universe, and he called it salvation. We found out that the coin has two sides. The salvation coin has two sides. Let me see if you were listening last week. On one side of the coin, it's called we are in Christ. All right? Very good. We are in Christ. So I turn the coin over. What's that side? Christ is in us. The entire coin of salvation can be summarized in just those two sides. There's not a third size. There's not a fourth, fourth size. Either, either we are in Christ or Christ is in us. So when you think about the coin of salvation, we remember the words of Jesus. In fact, we looked at these last week. I want you to put them down again, please. John 15, 5, bright red letters. In, on the screen, would you jot them down? How do we know there are two sides to the coin? Listen to this. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, they're the two sides. You and me, I and you, you will bear much fruit. God's entire gift of salvation summarized in two sides of the salvation coin. There's not a third side. There are only two. Now, the moment, the moment you introduce this concept of abiding in another person and another person abiding in you, you have injected a love story into the equation. This isn't just vines and branches now. We're talking about a love story. Because how would you ever let somebody abide in you if you're not in love with that person? Why would somebody ever let you abide in her, abide in him, if you're not in love with that person? And when you're in love with that person, what makes that person happy makes you happy. What makes that person sad makes you sad. When you abide in each other, it's just like life comes together. A very good friend, a spouse, that's how it works. So the other day, Karen came home from shopping, one of her shopping expeditions. And she comes home to re with a replacement for our clothes hamper. You know what a clothes hamper is? When they're dirty, you throw them in the hamper. That old hamper, finally the bottom gave out. A lot of dirty clothes in our family. I don't understand that. Two people in the family, and we got a lot of dirty clothes. It's not right. But anyway, so she comes home. Oh, but she's prepared. She doesn't come home with an exact replacement. Are you kidding? She comes home with a super-duper big hamper with one very annoying feature that she thinks is very cool. And that is, if you open the hamper up, there are two nets hanging inside of it, mm -hmm. net bags. They're hung up by Velcro. When she brought it home, she says, come here, Dwight. I want to give you a little free tutorial. <laughs> I love these free because they're never free. I want to give you a free tutorial. She says, now look here. This one, lights. This one, darks, all right? When you take them off, lights, darks. Is that clear? I said, yeah, sort of. And in a few days, I found out, what do you do when they're not light or dark? Leave them outside? <laughs> Third pile. Oh, no, you got to decide. You got to serve somebody. <laughs> So anyway, 
you know, I'm, I'm used to dumping everything in one big hole. Just psh, 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 psh. practicing my Chicago Bulls hook shot. Now I got these two holes I got to hit. And there are times, I tell you the truth, there are times when my wadded up sock goes in the wrong net. Bad. I say, you know what? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? And just like that, I tell you the truth, just like that, there's a little voice inside of me that whispers, but Dwight, Karen cares. <laughs> and this makes her work a lot easier. So if she's asked you to do this, do it, boy. Jesus comes along and He says, hey, hey, yo, yo, abide in me, I in you. Hey, Dwight. You're the one that went to the door and opened it up. And when I was knocking on the door and you said, come on in, Jesus, you have my life. I came in. Thank you for inviting me in. We're together now. And Dwight, you do know that when I came in, I began to clean up what I found. The dirties went away. And Dwight, you do know that when I came in and I said, Dwight, I don't need to leave, I let you take it out. Oh, yes, Lord, I remember. You did let me take it out. Yeah. You know why, Dwight? Because I am in you and you are in me. And when we're close like this, what makes you happy makes me happy. And the other side of the coin is, what makes me happy makes you happy. Abide in me. Stay in me. Anything I command you, it's good news because we're like this. I remind you, Dwight, I didn't just come in as your protector. I didn't just come in as your defender. No, 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 no. I'm your BFF, your best friend forever. I am your Savior. Yeah. Wow. And by the way, Dwight, now that I'm in, I kind of hope that you live by the words of John 14, 15. To quote me, he says, I hope you live by those words. Well, now you got me curious, Lord. I got to check that out. John 14, verse 15. Check it out in your Bible. See if, it's, see if it feels the same way in yours as it does in mine. John 14. Okay, I see it's all red letters. So Jesus must... Oh, this is Jesus the night before He goes to Calvary. This is obviously something very important on His heart that night. Sure enough, John 14, verse 15. Here's Jesus. Red letters. If you love me, keep my... Commands. Keep my commandments. Would you jot that down, please? If you love me, keep. What's, 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 what's the word keep mean? It means obey. It's another four-letter word for obey. Keep my commandments. Because that's the gospel truth. Loving and obeying go hand in hand. Because if you love someone, no matter who it is, you demonstrate your love by obeying her, by obeying him. It's just that way, folks. You don't like it? Find another planet. It's the way we live. Wow. Yeah, but why aren't you making this? Hey, guys, I don't know what you did up there, but you just suddenly have this, this uh, really amped up. Do you mind turning it down just a little? Thanks. It's just we're getting all kinds of crazy sounds now. All right. Yeah, but do I come on? Aren't you making this obey business a little too simple? I mean, you know, love relationship and all. I don't think so. Because as it turns out, the great truth is obedience is by faith. Did you know that? Obedience is by faith. Jot it down, will you? Just, just keep scribbling there. There it is. Obedience is by faith. In other words, obeying God comes through trusting God. 
You say, ah, oh, Dwight, you made that up. No, everything up there in yellow, would you write that down? Because this came to me after I wrote up the study guide. But I need you to write Hebrews 11, verse 8 down, because what does it say? By faith, Abraham obeyed God. By faith. Obedience is by faith. It's not, it's not something you grit. It's not something you grunt. It's not something you grin. It's something you do by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed God. And by the way, that's exactly how Jesus lived. He obeyed by faith. I'm going to share that line with you again. For some reason, I'm telling you the truth, this, this line has gotten embedded in my mind through this storm series. I know we quoted it in hashtag RXF4NOW last semester, but this is really, it just took this series for it to get into my mind. And I have to remind you again that when the preacher preaches, he is preaching loudest to himself. She is preaching loudest to herself. Why? Because I'm listening to everything I'm saying, and I'm saying, is that, is, that, is that authentic? Have I integrated that into my own life? And so I'm telling you, this line has been popping into my brain all, all day long, all through my waking hours. Now, I'm not, this, this is nothing great about Dwight. I'm telling you the truth. But in my humble opinion, here's what's going on. The Holy Spirit has, has put himself behind this line and pushes it pushes it in a way he pushes no other line. It's the secret to Jesus. And if you get this secret 24-7, you will have the faith of Jesus. And when you have the faith of Jesus, you will have the obedience of Jesus. It's the secret wrapped up in a single line. I never saw it before. But now it's just like, whoa. i got to share it with you. The book of Hebrews. Go to Hebrews. Near the end of the New Testament there, Hebrews chapter 2. It's very interesting what the author of Hebrews does. He puts words in Christ's mouth that the Gospels do not. Because in Hebrews, the incarnate God's thought processes are revealed to us. The Gospels do not reveal the thought processes. They just tell what he spoke. But in Hebrews, we see what he's thinking as he spoke. And this is, this is dynamite. You'll find it all the way through the book of Hebrews, little s- statements that Jesus makes that we never read anywhere else. This is Hebrews chapter... I want you to know that Jesus is going to speak this line, and so I need you to start with verse 11, where Hebrews chapter 2 reads, Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. He's talking about Jesus. Who makes us holy? Jesus does. So the one who makes us holy... And you and me, we're all the same family. And that's why the line goes on. So Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Yo, little brother. Yo, little sister. That's, that's who he is. He's our elder brother. Now, he says, you won't find these words anywhere in the Gospels. He says, the incarnate God, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. That's straight out of Psalm 22. And we know it's a messianic psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Are the opening words. So we know this is Jesus. All right? So he says, I will declare your name, Father, to my brothers and sisters. And now here it comes. And again, here it comes. I will put my trust in him. One line, seven words. Those seven words turn out to be the credo of Christ from birth to ascension. I will put my trust in him. Wow. You know what? I get tears in my eyes 
When in a quiet place, not here, but in a quiet place, I turn and I read those words. And it's as if, it, it's as if Jesus is speaking. And what I realize is he has just given me a sentence that I can speak for the rest of my life. And I am speaking his thoughts when I speak this sentence. Seven words long. Jesus said, hey, do, hey yo, yo, Dwight, Dwight, Dwight. This is the way I lived when I was here. No kidding. This is the one confession that carried me through night and day. I kept whispering to myself, I will put my trust in him. I will put my trust in him. Three times the enemy of the human race came to me, and all three responses were summarized, I will put my trust in him. That's how I made it. That's my line. And I'm giving it to you to be your credo too. I will put my trust in him. Come on, little brother. Come on, my little brother. I need you to take hold of this faith because, you see, when you, take, when, you, when you speak those seven words, you have just possessed the faith of Jesus. That's the faith of Jesus. I will put my trust in Him. And when I give you the faith of Jesus, you do like I did with a tempter. When He comes to you, Dwight, you say those seven words to Him. I will put my trust in Him. And so how could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Recognize those words, Dwight? I gave those words to Joseph. He was saying, I will put my trust in Him. And then when Mrs. Potiphar was standing in front of him, he said, how can I do this wickedness and sin against God? I gave him my faith. He had the faith of Jesus. You may have that same faith. You may live by that faith till I come. Because if you have my faith, you have my obedience. And if you have my obedience, you have my victory. Do you understand that? Wow, Jesus, are you serious? I'm serious. I will put my trust in him. Live by it. I wish you'd jot that down. I will put my trust in him. It's called the faith of Jesus. That's exactly what it is. Which means you have that faith of Jesus, you have... The obedience of Jesus, too. And oh my, speaking of obedience, did he learn how to obey? Mercy. Thank you for in Tagalog. Beautiful language. Reading that. Hebrews chapter 5. Just turn the page. We'll go to the words we just heard in Tagalog and read in English. Hebrews chapter 5. Turn the page. Look at this. This is something else. Verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud, fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Two long words for one code word. Because of his obedience. There's that four-letter word again. Not clear. It'll be clear in a split second. That's the result of Jesus' confession. And by the way, before the great uh, by faith chapter... Hebrews 11, before they ever talk about the faith of humanity, in Hebrews 2, it's quickly established. It's the faith of Jesus that counts. By faith, Abraham obeyed, but he, where did he get the faith from? Ah, he got the faith from one who would come down and live that way. Mm. And by the way, did you, did you notice this? That they're loud cries and tears. Did you catch that? Loud cries and tears. Let me tell you something. When you live by the faith of Jesus, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled into thinking that it's a picnic in the park in the land of Satan. There is no picnic in the land of Satan. You live in the land of Satan. We all do. It's no little breezeway. The stronger you hold on to God the harder the devil will hit you with everything he's got. Because in the 
enemy's land, it is inevitable. This is basketball season. We got a few teams on the campus right now. It is inevitable that it is a full court press. The moment you seize the faith of Jesus, it's a full court press because there's somebody that's going to break. He's going to break your knuckles. He's going to crush that grass. That's his goal. Because with the faith of Jesus, you win. You've got his obedience and you have his victory when you have his faith. So hang on to the faith. That's the point. Oh, F.F. Bruce, boy, does he nail it here. Son, the, the great New Testament uh, scholar, son of God though he was, even Jesus was granted no exemption from the common law that learning comes by suffering. Or as they say in the world of athletics, no pain, no gain. You're not paining, you're not gaining, you're just wimping. You want, ga- you want gain, then you have pain. You work out till it's killing you. Jesus suffered in order to learn. To learn what? Well, take a look at this. Verse 7 again. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Keep reading. Verse 8. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Hold it right there. Would you write that in, please? Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Hey, wait a minute. Do you suppose that's the way we learn as well? Do we learn the same way? I have a feeling we do. I haven't seen my brother's palm in a while. I should have looked at it when we were burying our mother with our sister Carrie just a few weeks ago. But when when, when Greg and I were growing up in Japan, we were in a little house where the oil furnace was underneath the floor, all right? And it was just four... They don't have... You know, central air, just forced air from one hole that, that covers the whole house. There was a metal grate over where the, where the hot air came up. And our parents warned us, boys, never touch that when the, stove, when the furnace is on. Don't touch it. I don't know what was happening one day. We were playing around, and Greg is maybe scrambling for a ball, and he puts his hand down on that metal grate, and there was... And a scream and a lesson learned. Because that's the way we learn. No pain, no gain. F.F. Bruce goes on, We learn to be obedient because of the unpleasant consequences which follow disobedience. It was not so with Jesus. He set out from the start on the path of obedience to God. He learned by the sufferings which came His way in consequence just what obedience to God involved in practice in the conditions of human life on earth. He learned what it would be like for you and me. He learned it. I will put my trust in Him with loud cries and tears so that by having the faith of Jesus, we would be granted the obedience of Jesus. Got to end this. Verse 8, Son, though He was, He learned obedience from what He suffered. And, oh, here it comes, verse 9, And once made perfect, get this, He became the source of eternal salvation for all who, four-letter word, obey Him. You want eternal life? And abide in me, and I in you, and what I say you do, not because I hate you, not because I'm a grump, not because I like to see you squirm, what I say you do because I'm saving you, I'm protecting you. That tempter is being held at bay because of this. Do as I do. Say as I say, I will put my trust in Him. Seven-word credo. How shall we obey Him? That's how. We obey Him by faith. By whose faith? By the faith of Jesus. 
So that when the tempter comes to us, come on, as he does a hundred times a day, a hundred times a day, when the tempter comes to us, we learn to live by the faith of Jesus and we declare to our mortal enemy, no, I will not, for I will put my trust in him. And remember, God's word quoted back to him is just as omnipotent as when God speaks it. So that when you speak the words, trust him, the moment they're off of your lips, the words instantly create the reality they, they describe and you have trust in him. I've seen it in the last four weeks. It works. That sentence becomes operationalized in your very being in the presence of the tempter. Wow. The faith of Jesus. Yeah, but do I, do I, do I, do I? What if I'm tempted to eat something I shouldn't eat? What if I'm tempted to drink something I shouldn't drink? What if I'm tempted to do something I shouldn't do? What if I'm hungry for sex? And the tempter stands in front of me and he says, indulge yourself. You've been going so long. What do I do then, <laughs> my friend? You call on the faith of Jesus. That's what you do. Yeah, but what's that mean? Repeat after me. I will put my trust in him. In fact, let's do that out loud. Maybe you haven't gotten a sentence yet. I will put my trust in him. Let's do that again. I will put my trust in him. One more time. I will put my trust in him. And then, immediately, leave. Immediately leave. Physically, take your body away. Whatever it is, wherever it is. Yeah, but what if the devil keeps chasing me? And <laughs> you just keep saying to him, you might not have heard it the first time. Let me repeat. I will put my trust in him. I remind you that when Jesus went to Calvary with that confession of faith and he's praying in the black darkness as the forces of Satan himself come down to extinguish his life. He clings to that line, I will put my trust in him. And because he does, the bloody, crimson obedience that he won became the triumphant victory that he gives. It's yours. It is finished. I got it for Dwight. I got it for you. I got it. The faith of Jesus. You get his obedience. You get his victory. I'm, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't get any better than this. I want to end with a quotation from Desire of Ages. I love this. Oh, this is stunning. <laughs> All true obedience comes from the heart. It was hard work with Christ. And if we consent, he will so identify himself with our thoughts and aims. Oh, by the way, that's Christ in us. He's identifying with my thoughts. Isn't that amazing, Christ in us? He said, I'll take your thoughts. That's me. He will so identify himself with our thoughts and aims, Christ in us, so blend our hearts and minds into conformity to his will. We are in Christ. You see how that works? It's, it's just mutual. And here it comes. That when obeying him, we shall be but carrying out our own impulses. You're not even thinking. You are living by this, I will put my trust in him. And when the moment comes, you're not saying, now let's see, what is that word again? Where does the, the, the put come before the trust or the... No, you're not even thinking now. Because you have given that day 
to Jesus. I will put my trust in him. And when you make a decision, you think it's your decision. You think it's your decision. But the one who is abiding in you actually made that decision for you. It will be as if we are carrying out our own impulses. I'm not thinking about Jesus who just made this decision. He says, no, Dwight, you did. But it's because we're this. That's why you made the decision I would have made. Good on you, boy. Little brother, stay with me. Stay with me, little brother. Isn't that something? Wow. When we know God, it continues to the end here. When we know God as it is our privilege to know Him, our life, oh, can you believe this? Our life will be a life of continual obedience by faith. Not grunting, gritting, and grinning. Nope, by faith. Continual. Through one, an appreciation of the character of Christ, this whole truth is saturated with Him. Through one, an appreciation of the character of Christ, and through two, communion with God. That was last week's big, big idea. Every day, ask for the faith of Jesus while you read the Word of God. Every day, ask for the faith of Jesus while you read the Word of God. Through communion with Him, that's it. Sin will become... Read that next word to me. Read that next word to me. Sin will become hateful. Hateful to us. It's not about, ah, yeah, no, no. No way. Sin will become hateful. Isn't that something? And it's all because he's abiding in you and you're abiding in him. And it's all by faith. You get it all by faith. Ladies and gentlemen, you see, the truth remains. It is Jesus from beginning to end. It's all Jesus. Jesus' faith. Jesus' obedience, Jesus' victory, it's all Jesus. It's all by faith. And listen, listen, it's all yours, to which I want to say amen. It's all yours. It's all yours right now. Amen. Pull out your connect card. And we're going to sing a great song. Talk about a song that was written for this sermon, Trust and Obey. Okay, but first, let's do the connect card. Everybody got a connect card? Uh, we we got guests here. We do this every time. So you see it in your worship bulletin. Pull it out. On the back of the card, my next step today, number one, I want to live by Jesus' seven-word credo. I will put my trust in Him. I want to live by that. <laughs> number two, I want the faith of Jesus to lead me to a life of continual obedience. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We're going to sing that. And number three, I want to join others who seek Jesus and His faith through collective prayer, just started our brand new uh, 7 a.m. house of prayer. Hey, do you know something about Barron Springs? It is dark at 7 a.m. <laughs> There's nobody out there but school buses. <laughs> we just started last Wednesday night, uh, last Wednesday morning, I should say, meeting the youth chapel. Wednesday nights, we're here. Join us at either one. I want to sing that. I want to sing. I want to pray with you, and then I want to sing this, uh, sing this beautiful trust and obey. Oh, God, trust and obey. That's it. The faith of Jesus leads to the obedience of Jesus, leads to the victory of Jesus, leads to eternity with Jesus. Uh, it could, could it be more simple? And could it be more Christ in the middle of it all than what we've just discovered? I will put my trust in Him. Please, dear God, insert that seven-word credo all through the day and night for all of us. We humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen.